Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 135, The Gray Market Factor. Hi, I'm Neil. October is turning out to be quite the busy month for Apple. I actually think next week will be the busiest week of the year for the company. Apple is hosting a product event in New York City, which I will be attending. And then two days later, Apple is releasing fourth quarter 2018 earnings. And as many of you know, earnings season can be pretty hectic around here. I have been publishing quite a bit in preparation for these events. I published my earnings preview. In a couple days, I will be sending out my thoughts heading into this upcoming Apple product event. And then next week, I will be going over all of my thoughts, observations, and perspective from these two events. So all of that will be found in the daily updates to Above Avalon members. I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the episode. In today's podcast episode, we are going to talk about a topic that really was pushed into the spotlight last year with the iPhone 10. I think one of the major talking points facing Apple in 2017 had to do with iPhone pricing. A lot of people were shocked that the iPhone 10 started at $1,000. And of course, if you go outside the U.S., pricing shoots higher depending on where you live. Last month at the event at Steve Jobs Theater, we saw Apple expand on this high-end iPhone pricing strategy with the iPhone XS Max. As Apple has been releasing these higher-priced iPhones, overall iPhone ASP, or average selling price, has increased. And when you look at the year-over-year change in revenue growth for Apple, higher iPhone ASP is a major factor. And this has caused a debate to take place. Why is Apple pushing iPhone ASP? Are they moving away from a new user growth strategy and focusing instead on maybe milking existing customers. Maybe Apple doesn't feel as confident in unit sales growth and instead is focusing on higher-priced iPhones to offset any negative financial impact from all of that. In today's episode, we are going to touch upon all of those sub-themes, but we're going to wrap everything around what I think is starting to impact Apple's iPhone pricing strategy, and it's something that not a lot of people have been talking about. The gray market for refurbished and previously owned iPhones is starting to drive iPhone average selling price higher. And I think as we go out over the next couple of years, this could start having an even bigger impact on Apple's overall iPhone strategy. Before we go any further and really get into the meat of this episode, I did want to make one point. We're going to talk about various data points in this episode such as the number of iPhones in the gray market, changing iPhone average selling price trends, the changing makeup of iPhone unit sales. All of those trends, data points, that's from me. They're my estimates. They're either from my earnings model or various financial models that I keep from Apple. And I will try to make note of that. If I'm using someone else's data point, I will make note of that as well. And what I try to do is put the sources of those data points in the show notes. Usually, they're going to be found in a daily update that I sent to members in the past. Sometimes they may be found in a weekly article. So if you do have any questions about a particular data point, definitely check out the show notes. If you still don't have any answers there, of course, feel free to reach out with any questions. Apple began selling the iPhone 11 years ago. And when you go back and look at all of the various types of criticism that 
was out there regarding iPhone, pricing was one of the more consistent themes. Consensus seemed to be convinced that Apple would need to lower iPhone pricing due to competitive pressures. And so we had things like the iPhone 5C, the iPhone SE, two phones that are very different from each other, but both were positioned by many as attempts by Apple to address lower-priced market segments. That changed in a very big way last year. Apple became much more aggressive at the high end of the iPhone line. The iPhone X, a starting price of $9.99, one of the most talked about Apple topics last year. But what wasn't talked about as much was Apple also increased pricing for iPhone 8 and 8 Plus. Last month, we had Apple expand on this high-end iPhone pricing strategy with iPhone XS Max, the highest-priced iPhone to date. Another thing that I don't think a lot of people have been talking about is when you look at the iPhone XR, which more than a few publications have positioned as this low-end or low-cost iPhone flagship, it's priced $50 higher than the iPhone 8 last year. So it's clear that Apple has become much more aggressive at the high end of the iPhone line when it comes to pricing. That goes against really what was the main criticism facing iPhone since the beginning, that Apple would have no choice but to keep lowering iPhone pricing out of fear of losing sales. Given Apple's aggressiveness at the high end, it shouldn't come as a surprise that iPhone average selling price, ASP, has been on the rise. Over at AboveAvalon.com, in this week's article, The Gray Market's Impact on iPhone Pricing, I graphed iPhone average selling price on a trailing 12 months basis. And one reason I did this is I wanted to remove any seasonality found with iPhone launches. The resulting exhibit was fascinating. I kept looking at it. I just couldn't get enough of it. For years, you had essentially a horizontal line for iPhone average selling price. A little bit north of $600. You saw a slight bump up with the iPhone 6 Plus, which was priced higher than the iPhone 6. But even then, it started to flatten out again. However, with the iPhone 10, iPhone 8, 8 Plus, and now with the iPhone XS, XS Max, and iPhone XR, things are different. The line is shooting higher on a trailing 12-month basis. Average selling price just blew rep through $700 and is quickly moving towards $800. The rise in iPhone average selling price has led some to conclude that Apple must have shelved its strategy for growing iPhone sales and the user base by lowering prices. Instead, Apple is said to be milking existing iPhone users with all these higher price models. The big issue with that school of thought is that it ignores the expanding market for refurbished iPhones. The gray market is increasingly fueling new user growth, and it's also pushing iPhone average selling price higher. A key tenet of Apple's iPhone pricing strategy over the years has been to sell older flagship iPhones at lower prices. 
So for example, when you look at this year's iPhone line, we have iPhone XS Max, XS, and XR. But Apple continues to sell iPhone 8, 8 Plus, 7, 7 Plus. They're even selling older models, such as the iPhone SE, the 6S Plus, but those are in select markets. Apple doesn't make too big of a deal about those models. The company is able to run with lower pricing for those older flagship models to the things like economy scale, improved production and assembly costs. Traditionally, those older iPhone models accounted for as much as 30% of overall iPhone sales. And that's my estimate. Apple doesn't really go into detail around the iPhone unit sales mix, but they'll give clues. And they gave a lot of clues the past couple quarters of the iPhone 10, saying it's the best-selling iPhone every week. That's very helpful if you're modeling sales per model. Because now you can go, you could back into an estimate for iPhone 10 sales, iPhone 8 Plus and 8, and then you could get, well, how many of these older iPhones did Apple sell? So traditionally, the safe bet was to say about 30% of iPhone sales went to these older models. There is an impact from all of that. Having such a significant portion of iPhone unit sales going to these lower-priced models, it ended up keeping a lid on iPhone average selling price. Things are changing. Last quarter, this was the fiscal year third quarter 2018, non-flagship iPhone models represented more like 20% of overall unit sales. What's going on? As the number of customers buying refurbished and pre-owned iPhones through the gray market increases, Apple is seeing less demand for the lowest price iPhones in the lineup. So customers in lower price brackets have additional iPhone purchasing options at their disposal, thanks to the gray market. So this is where things start to resemble a puzzle. Despite weaker demand for lower-priced iPhones, Apple continues to see modest growth in iPhone sell-through demand. And so that's looking at overall demand for iPhone. That tells us that demand for the new flagship iPhones has not subsided. It's not going down. Instead, demand for higher-priced iPhones is growing. And that's a very important observation. Because what we see going on here is that there's a shift in iPhone sales momentum from lower-priced older flagships to higher-priced iPhones. I think this is a contributing factor to higher iPhone average selling price. And I don't think a lot of analysts have reflected this trend in their earnings models. Let's talk a little bit about the gray market. I thought the entry for gray market in Wikipedia basically summed it up pretty well. It's the trade through distribution channels that are legal, but unattended by the original manufacturer. Said another way, if you got your hands on an iPhone and it wasn't new from Apple or a third-party retailer, I count that as part of the gray market. So yes, I'm including iPhones that are passed down through friends and family. Now, there are three key ingredients needed to sustain a functioning gray market for iPhone. The first 
is good device durability and usability. So simply put, iPhones need to hold up over time. A phone that can barely last after two or three years of usage is not conducive to a vibrant used market. So you need an iPhone that can be passed down from owner to owner. The second ingredient is you need strong demand for refurbished iPhones. It seems pretty obvious, but it is a key ingredient. And many of Apple's competitors lack a vibrant gray market for this reason. They don't have customer demand for refurbished products. Now, of course, other brands may directly address lower price segments, so that really does take some of the oxygen out of the gray market for their product. However, given Apple's iPhone pricing strategy and the company's aspirational brand, there is a considerable amount of interest and demand for refurbished iPhones at lower prices. And the third ingredient is you need steady supply of gently used iPhones. So services like early upgrade plans that are offered through mobile carriers or Apple's iPhone upgrade program, those services are resulting in a stream of gently used, year-old iPhones being turned in by customers. And those iPhones are so important because they represent the supply of used iPhones that are then needed to satisfy the demand for lower-priced iPhones. And we'll go over each one of those key ingredients very quickly. In terms of durability and usability, increased durability doesn't just allow existing customers to use Apple products for longer. The products can enter the gray market and then eventually be used by more people over time. In fact, it's possible that maybe an iPhone circulates through the gray market more than once. When we talk about durability, Johnny Ive and Apple's industrial design group have been focused on the topic for decades as it relates to product design. Good product durability is one reason there is already a strong gray market for iPhone. The average iPhone is going to hold up for a number of years. Now, the thing is, Apple designers sometimes find themselves between a rock and a hard place when it comes to durability. We can look at mobile batteries as a prime example. So the fact that iPhone users can't easily replace batteries is a durability trade-off. Now, of course, Apple made that decision in order to achieve other usability goals, but I think it's important to point out. But look at Apple's embrace of an iPhone battery replacement program. I think that speaks to management's desire to elevate device durability with an iPhone strategy. We then have Apple focusing on having iOS 12 support older iPhone models. I think that highlights management's motivation to improve usability. So by supporting iPhone models going back to the 5S, Apple is able to keep tens of millions of devices, many of which have likely passed through the gray market, running the latest software. That proves beneficial when it keeps to keeping these iPhones in circulation for longer. That's a good thing for the iPhone gray market. When it comes to demand for refurbished iPhones, Apple has the most popular smartphones in the market. Management will often go through the most popular, the best-selling smartphone models in a particular market like China. An iPhone is usually at the top. Actually, it's usually the top couple of spots. So this popularity translates to strong demand even at higher prices. The reason iPhone sales are at a fraction of overall smartphone sales is that Apple's only playing in certain market segments. 
They're not playing at the low end. An argument can be made that they're barely playing in the mid-market as well. Such a decision ends up providing a huge boost to the iPhone gray market because there is unfilled demand out there for lower-priced iPhones. The gray market ultimately allows Apple to reach customers who may not otherwise be in the company's traditional target market. When an iPhone is resold in the gray market, Apple doesn't include that revenue attached to that sale in its financial statements. It doesn't count that as an iPhone unit sale. However, Apple does benefit if that sale, if that iPhone, went to a new user. Because Apple is able to sell additional services and also additional hardware to that user over time. That cycle becomes that much more impactful if we're assuming that that iPhone ends up going back into the gray market eventually. Maybe it's passed on to another owner over time. In fact, given increased durability and usability, maybe a new iPhone coming out this year will, over time, have three or maybe four owners, with each ownership change occurring at a lower price. You can see how that becomes really powerful if you're looking at the iPhone user base growing. Because again, these are customers that I don't think Apple would have traditionally been able to sell an iPhone to. The gray market makes that possible. It's boosting Apple's new user growth for iPhone. That tends to put rising iPhone average selling price in a different light. It adds more context to what's going on here. When it comes to having steady supply in the gray market, the key factor is robust residual values. That's what makes it financially feasible for users to turn in gently used iPhones after making 12 monthly payments. Those users then walk away with the newest iPhone. So programs like the iPhone upgrade program. The whole point of going through that program is to get a new iPhone every year after making 12 monthly payments. I don't think people would want to go through that program if you're having to pay for the entire phone and then you're handing it in. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. As it is now, you're making 12 monthly payments. Now, what happens when you hand in that iPhone through the iPhone upgrade program? Well, if you read the fine print, it has to be in pretty good condition. You can't hand in a phone that has been destroyed. So these are gently used iPhones. When they're turned in, well, one way or another, they are recirculated back into the market. Now, of course, some phones, they may be recycled, but for the most part, they're recirculated. There's still value. There's still residual value attached to that phone. And over time, that phone finds a new home. That's the supply that the iPhone gray market needs to sustain itself. I think some people may think that the gray market is just a bunch of really old, really beat up iPhones that are from four or five years ago. Not really. <laughs> and given how a majority of people buy their iPhones through their mobile carriers, these early upgrade plans are becoming more important. One will argue that they're doing that for competitive reasons. If one carrier, I'm really looking at the US here, but if one carrier offers an early upgrade program, it's more likely that others will follow or at least maintain their early upgrade programs. It's just another way of getting gently used iPhones into the gray market. 
over at AboveAvalon.com, I try to represent iPhone residual value over time. And the method that I used was I turned to Gazelle. That's a website that you can sell your gently used iPhone and get money. Now, there's other sites out there. You could actually go through Apple, get store credit, things like that. But I felt Gazelle was you know, a good third-party site. It's been around for a long time. It has some brand recognition as well. And what I found was pretty interesting. After the first year, iPhone residual value is approximately 40%. So that means that an original iPhone 8 or 8 Plus owner trading in their device after a year can expect to receive about 40% of the device's original costs. It may be higher at other places like Apple, but again, this is just for Gazelle, and it's for unlocked iPhones in good condition in the lowest storage configuration. So that's a little disclaimer as to how I got these trade-in values. Along with residual values, I also looked at depreciation. So if residual value was 38% after year one, well, that means depreciation was 62% during the first year. The rate of depreciation then slowed to 13% in the second year and 11% in the third year. Now, what does this all tell us? Because this could get a little bit confusing. What I found was that iPhone depreciation rates are lower than rates of Samsung smartphones. So that means that iPhones have stronger residual values over time than Samsung smartphones. I think that is one factor that is helping to boost the iPhone gray market. In essence, the iPhone is able to retain more of its value over time. The other thing that's interesting about this data is that that year one residual value of about 40%, that seems a little bit low. I think people were expecting iPhones to hold on to their value a little bit more after just one year. I do think there could be an explanation here. I think iPhone trade-in programs that are offered by some of the mobile carriers are beginning to result in a supply of gently used iPhone 8 and 8 Plus iPhones entering the market. So that may be leading to some weakness in trade-in offers for those models from sites like Gazelle. When you looked at the iPhone 10, it did have a better residual value percentage than the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus. And I think that could be explained by the iPhone 10 launched in November. 2017. So we haven't yet seen a good supply of gently used iPhone 10s being handed in after 12 monthly payments through all of these early upgrade plans from the mobile carriers. As the gray market for iPhone grows, I would not be surprised if residual values for iPhone improve. So that means if you buy a new iPhone today, in a year's time, you may be able to get more money for that iPhone once you trade it in, say, to a site like Gazelle. If the gray market really wasn't there, if there wasn't demand for your gently used year-old iPhone, I don't think residual value would be that great. Instead, you would simply be offered probably the price for those components. That way, the phone could be recycled and sent to repair shops or repair companies. Taking a step back to look more broadly at the gray market, up to now, this discussion seems to be painting the gray market as a pretty good thing for Apple. There doesn't seem to be too many negatives. 
associated with a thriving gray market. So what could be a potential downside attached to the gray market? What could be a bad thing? Earlier this year, the Wall Street Journal published an article that positioned the gray market as a culprit for slowing smartphone sales. The scenario painted by the Wall Street Journal was that current iPhone users who may have previously turned to Apple or a mobile carrier to buy a new iPhone will look to the gray market to buy a lower-priced, refurbished iPhone. And so this is said to result in less demand for higher-priced flagship iPhones going forward. That does sound like a bad thing. That sounds like, okay, this, this could be a problem for Apple. There's an issue. The Wall Street Journal is basing their thesis on the theory that iPhone X sales were weak. In reality, Apple sold 60 million iPhone X units since launch. That's my estimate. That's an impressive feat. And the Wall Street Journal wasn't the only one who thought iPhone X sales were pretty lackluster. A number of publications were running with these narratives that iPhone X demand just isn't there. People are turning away from higher-priced iPhones. That's not true. I think that's why so many people were shocked when Apple management declared quarter after quarter that the iPhone X was the best-selling iPhone. It may seem counterintuitive, but a healthy iPhone gray market can actually boost sales for higher-priced flagship iPhones. A functioning gray market makes it possible for early upgrade plans and the iPhone upgrade program to exist. So as you have more iPhone users taking advantage of those upgrade services, Apple is seeing a growing stream of annual iPhone upgrades. So in a market where the overall iPhone upgrade cycle is getting longer by the day, annual iPhone upgrades, even if they still represent a small percentage of sales, they can play a large role in stabilizing iPhone demand and boosting iPhone average selling price. When we look ahead at how the gray market's going to impact Apple's iPhone pricing strategy, I think Apple will continue to sell lower-priced older iPhones in select markets like India. I don't think that's going to change. However, as the gray market for refurbished iPhones continues to expand, Apple may face less pressure to come out with lower-priced iPhones for fewer features in developed markets. I do think that dynamic bodes well for the idea of higher iPhone average selling prices over time. In essence, the gray market turns into a long-term tailwind for iPhone average selling price. Last quarter, third quarter 2018, Apple reported an iPhone average selling price of $724. That was $118 higher than the previous year. It's a remarkable jump. The thing is, I think it's going to be difficult for Apple to report a similar jump in iPhone average selling price for the full year, fiscal year 2019. I don't think the increase will be as high. Instead, the more likely scenario is that the long-term average for iPhone average selling price gradually increases. So over the past 10 years, the mean iPhone average selling price was $640. It is possible that that average moves towards $700 over time. A major implication from that development is that iPhone average selling price is going to end up being more resilient and sustainable than it may appear at initial glance. As Apple management embraces the gray market for iPhone and uses it as a tool 
to expand the user base and address customers that would have otherwise probably been ignored by Apple's pricing strategy. I would not be surprised if this entire dynamic begins to move over to the Apple Watch. It's early. We still have a couple years to go. But I think the market is ripe for a similar gray market to develop around wearables. Where we're turning in gently used Apple Watches and they're recirculating the market. They end up being passed on to new owners at lower prices. How would this manifest itself in Apple Watch strategy? Apple wouldn't be as aggressive at the low end with Apple Watch. The company wouldn't need to come out with a cheap Apple Watch, a model that's missing certain features or key components, but which is trying to target a lower-priced market segment. In the coming years, the gray market for Apple products will continue to gain legitimacy and influence for one simple reason. An increasing number of people will find value in the gray market. If you're Apple the gray market is something to embrace. That's going to do it for today's episode. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Apple earnings is right around the corner. So I did publish my fourth quarter 2018 earnings preview. There were three parts broken out into three daily updates. Each was sent to above Avalon members. So if you are a member, check your inbox. The first part went over setting the stage. So what are we looking at heading into earnings? I talked a little bit about the market volatility, the expectations facing Apple. The second part went over all of my detailed estimates for various Apple products. And the third part, we went over my thoughts on guidance for the very important holiday quarter. I made my Apple earnings model available for members. And some final thoughts, some big picture thoughts heading into earnings next week. Once Apple reports earnings, I will then send my review. So all of my thoughts, observations, and perspective on earnings, I will send that out to above Avalon members. With Apple's product event coming up, I will be publishing a preview. So what am I expecting ahead of the product event? It's not your traditional, it's not your usual product preview. I don't just go over, well, here's the products I think Apple's going to release. We talk about strategy. We go over what I think is going on in Apple's business, what Apple may have to do, what Apple doesn't have to do. We then connect that to what Apple may actually announce, what Apple may not actually announce. So all of that will be sent in a couple days. And of course, once the event occurs, I will go over my review. I think there's going to be probably two daily updates dedicated to reviewing Apple's product event. So there's a lot going on. (laughs) All of those things will be found in the daily updates sent to Above Avalon members. The daily updates are the cornerstone of Above Avalon membership. Each daily update is about 2,000 words. They're usually a little bit longer for reviewing earnings and the product event, but they cover everything from Apple business strategy analysis to Apple earnings, financial estimates. They go over my perspective and observations on current news, Apple competitors, keynotes. If it is of interest to Apple, it is something I pay attention to. There are other member privileges and benefits as well. Again, you can access my Apple earnings model. There is a form for above Avalon members. There is an archive, so you can go back and read daily updates previously sent to members. 
For more information on membership and to become an Above Avalon member, just head on over to AboveAvalon.com and then go to the membership page. There are two membership options available. It's either $20 per month or $200 per year. So if you enjoy the analysis found in these podcast episodes and in the weekly articles over at AboveAvalon.com, I think you will find quite a bit of value in becoming a member getting all of my analysis about Apple throughout the week. Above Avalon is fully sustained by membership, so if you are already a member, thank you for your support. And if you're thinking about becoming an Above Avalon member, thank you in advance. With that, I will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all later.